0: Good morning. Good morning. If you guys don't know I'm a big Dave Matthews fan, I had a chance one time to actually play Dave Matthews to some degree. I was in college, spent most of my time, you guys know I play guitar, I spent most of my time trying to learn how to play every Dave Matthews song that was ever written. Um <laughs> And spent hours and hours doing that. And right after I graduated, my college campus ministry decided to do a series on the spiritual lives of different musicians and artists. And they called me up. I had moved back home, was working in a political campaign. They called me up and said, hey, will you come back and be Dave Matthews for a night? And so, had a chance to play with a group of guys that I'd never played with before in my life. We all just practiced separately, showed up for a couple hours, and got to play Dave Matthews for a whole uh, group of people. It was a lot of fun. I've never played with that many good musicians until I came to this church. Um, in one place, a violinist that could play anything, a saxophone player, it was, it was just awesome. It was fun to just sit back and play. But the cool thing about that night was not the music in my experience, but the chance to hear and kind of see a different side um, that I'd never even thought of at that time of Dave Matthews. And, and it's been something that in my life, I've, I've, I've just kind of, um, as after that night, began to really look at his lyrics. And the way I've begun to put it is, he is a voice of my generation seeking out for something. He is a voice of a generation seeking something. He doesn't really know what it is, but he is seeking. I've never heard someone, if you guys listen to him, he references the name of Jesus constantly. His newest album over and over again. He is seeking And Jesus seems to be somewhere on the radar screen, but he doesn't know what to do with him. I want you guys to hear these lyrics, though, but as I was thinking about this week and preparing from Colossians, this song just kept coming back in my mind, and you'll see why. Um, But the lyrics that were on the chorus that you guys just heard said this. The space between the tears we cry is the laughter that keeps us coming back for more. The space between the wicked lies we tell and hope to keep safe from the pain. Later on, he'll talk about, and as he ends the song, he will say, The space between what's wrong and right is where you'll find me hiding, waiting for you. The space between your heart and mine is the space we'll fill with time. The space between. The song has been haunting my mind for that concept of the idea of the space between the world is looking for an answer of what is life all about? What does my life look like? Dave Matthew says, it's the space between the wicked lies we tell, the tears we cry, the joy we share. It's this space between, they don't really know, between wrong and right. This is a, this is a voice of a world that is dying because they don't know what life is is. They go from one high, emotional high, to these huge lows, and they're looking, what is it all about? What does it all mean? I'm sure some of you have struggled through some of these same questions. What does life look like? What does life, what is my purpose, what is my plan, what does God have for me to do? And sometimes, I'm sure as Christians, we still say it's that space between those lowest points and those highest points, and it's just life. And we settle for that, and we say life is just ups and downs, and it is all the struggles, all the pain, and and that's the thing he says in here that catches me too, is he says, we are just trying, hoping to keep safe from the pain based between that life that we live so often, and as Christians, I often feel we're no different. And as I, as I prepared for this week, and as I, I thought through some of these questions of myself, I went to John 10.10. 10. Are you guys familiar with John 10.10, 10, where it says, I have come to give life and life abundantly. And the question that kept coming to me is, where's the abundant life in the life that we live, this space between and today, as we get into Paul's message, I want to show you what he is about ready to say to the Colossians about what that space between can look like. This vision for what life in Christ really means in this space between. So, if you guys will turn to me to Colossians 1, starting in verse 9. If you guys would stand with me once you get there. Starting in verse nine. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This has been the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Paul begins in Colossians 1.9 and says this, For this reason, now... We need to take a step back and look back at last week. What is that reason? What reason did he begin to pray this prayer? And so I want to flash back, and it's on the screen, and you can follow along. It's in verse 3 through 5. It says, this is the reason that he is praying this prayer. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All right, so here is Paul. He's saying, for this reason, I pray this prayer. He is, he is saying, you have believed in Christ Jesus because of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, your faith being lived out. You have begun this process because I know you have begun this journey. But what caught me is this this second part where he says the faith and hope that springs, you know, the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Here it is. These Christians in Colossians, these somewhat dysfunctional Christians that David talked about last week who are struggling with heresies have begun this journey with Christ. They have started on the journey and put their faith in him. And that faith and love is springing out of the hope they have in heaven, and this is where the idea of the space between came from for me. As I looked at that line, here they are, young believers. They have started their journey, and their hope is in heaven. Now the question is, what happens in between? <laughs> Paul is praying this prayer because he wants to help them see that there is a way to live. There is, there is a way that God moves in that space in between salvation and heaven, And I think one of the biggest things that I've seen, and I'm sure some of you have heard this or seen this, many churches basically try to walk people down an aisle, basically scaring them to think that if you don't do this, you're not going to make it to heaven. Or their focus is on salvation and dying and going to heaven, and that's when good life, that's when that full abundant life begins is once you're in heaven. Otherwise, we're just sinners struggling through a life where we're just, this is a difficult life and they have no hope. It is, I'm saved and I go to heaven. And those are the two points in the Christian life that all that mattered. Once I've accepted, then I've got my fire insurance. Okay? I, I'm, I'm, I'm free, you know, to make sure I. From heaven, but what about the space in between? And that's where John ten ten kept coming back. What about abundant life? What about does this, this life? What does it look like for us to live out Christ's life now? To see His kingdom come, His will be done. And so, as He begins to pray this prayer, He is reminding them. He is beginning to say, "I pray this that you may see a vision of who you are in Christ." right now, in the life that you can live, right now, in this space in between. So as we get into that, I want you guys to see the rest of this. So he continues on in Colossians 1.9 and says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. All right. Paul, I I wanna take some time as we work through this and I wanna just explain some of the big words, some of the different concepts that he is bringing out in this scripture that will help you understand what this life looks like. So he begins to pray. The first thing he prays is that he is praying that God will fill them with the knowledge of his will. He will be filled with the knowledge of his will. When we talk about being filled in scripture, can mean being equipped, being fully equipped, all right? that you are fully equipped to, to live out the life based on the knowledge of God's will. It also means that you will be controlled by. You can be controlled by the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. So Paul is basically praying that God would fill them, would fully equip the Colossians for living this life, and that they might be controlled by the knowledge of his will. Now that word in Greek is a word that is not just intellectual knowledge. It's not just knowing about who God is. It is an experiential knowledge. It is a knowledge that is intimate and personal, a knowledge that must be lived out. Okay, for the Hebrews, knowledge or knowing God could not be separated from living out God's truth. You could not know something about God and not respond to it. And so that is the word that he's responding to. He wrote in a, in a very Hebrew perspective that this life, this knowledge that he is praying for, the knowledge of God will, would translate into actual living. There can be no separation. <clears throat> now, this is also going directly against the heresies that were being taught. This idea that knowledge was something that we could gain on our own strength, that we could gain this special knowledge that only a few people we talked about last week, the Gnostics were teaching there was a special knowledge that the believers needed above Christ. It was Christ and something else. It was Christ and a, a special knowledge. For the Jews it was Christ and the law. For the ascetics, basically they were saying, it's Christ and removing yourself from the world. It was Christ and something else. And it's something that we had to do on our own strength and our own power. But Paul is saying, and I, this wording is important, says we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. That's a passive voice, do you guys realize? God must fill you with this knowledge. This is one thing that as I struggle through with the, with the faith and I look at some of these issues, we cannot in our own strength gain this knowledge. It's not something we can earn. It's not something that we do that makes us, all of a sudden, I have this special knowledge of Christ. This is a prayer. We must understand that it is through God's, and as he continues, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is, reckons back to Proverbs, okay? Back, you gotta remember, you guys remember what Paul was? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy knew the Old Testament, He's talking about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and and understanding and knowledge. He's beginning to see that, hey, all this comes from God, and I need you to understand this knowledge is not just your own earned knowledge. It is not something that you can see and know just in your own power, but this is my prayer for you. And I'm going to come back to this point, okay? I'm going to come back to why this is so important, because truthfully, this is the foundation, this is the foundation. And he is talking about the knowledge of the gospel and that message. And we're gonna come back to that at the end. But I want you guys to remember this as we go on. Now, verse 10, he continued on. It says, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. All right, I wanna show you that this knowledge, okay, he continues this whole theme, is a, it's kind of like a cycle or a spiral Okay, as we know God's will, we then must live that will out okay, so that we may live a life worthy of the Lord. And this is equal to th- that idea of worthy of the Lord, he is, he is echoing back to Christ's call to be holy as I am holy. Okay? To be holy as I am holy. That's what he means when he says, live a life worthy of the Lord, that you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, when we hear those words, bearing fruit, one of the first things I think of is work that I do, okay? Things that I've done, things that you can see on the outside, you know, you don't think of bearing fruit, you know, right now we're at the end of the garden season, all those different kind of things, and bearing fruit is pretty much over for the year, there's not a lot of plants that are, that are bearing much fruit any longer, Okay? but is that external side of things. But if we really think about Scripture and the full breadth of Scripture, if you look at Galatians, bearing fruit is also that internal side of becoming more like Christ. And this is continuing that theme that he was talking about in, in, in just meeting up to that standard, living a life worthy of the Lord. Being made like Christ is also bearing fruit, that you may please him in every good work, bearing fruit in every good work. But as we grow in that knowledge, as we live that experiential life, he also says that we will grow continually in the knowledge of who God is. And this is is that cycle. This is that that spiral that occurs as we begin to live out what we know about God. And we live out what we know about God, we begin to bear fruit. As we begin to bear fruit, we grow more in the knowledge of God. But he even continues, saying in, in verse 11, he says, that, that God actually gives us the strength to do this. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that you might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. God does not leave us to do all this on our own. He gives us the strength, he gives us the courage, he gives us the might to live out this life. Now, the most challenging things that I learned during this this last couple weeks of studying this scripture is what those two words, endurance and patience, mean. Endurance is a very specific idea in Greek. Endurance was basically talking about the strength to make it through any circumstance, all the difficult circumstances that come in life. And patience had another implication, Patience had the implications of being able to. En- oh, man, this thing is giving me a hard time. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take my jacket off. I'm getting a little warm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry, it's a little warm up here. Sorry. All right, patience gives you the ability to, or it is, it is the implication of being able to endure the people in life. Okay? And this is what I I think as I begin to really think about that space between and and what life looks like. God is saying, when you know me and you know my will and you begin to live this out through you, through my strength and my power, I'm going to allow you to make, not only make it through, this life, I'm gonna allow you to begin to handle all the difficult circumstances, all the difficult people in your life, and not just be able to handle it, but be able to live in a way that you are joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Now, for me, I don't know about you. For me, I know that that truth is totally out of my hands. It's totally out of my hands. And that is where God continues to, to just draw us back. Giving thanks, to, in Colossians 1, 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. The whole key to this point, the whole crux begins to come back in these last few verses. God is saying that in, in, the, in the in-between, he wants you to grow in the knowledge of who he is. He wants to to give you the strength to be able to do this. He wants you to live a life. He's saying all these things, and I, I kept coming back to this and saying, I, how do you do this? How do you live this life? I have no clue. Still, even as I studied these verses, and then as we began to come back to the end, I begin to see God moving in a way that I, I need you guys to listen very clearly to. God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of, of saints in the kingdom of light. 1. The inheritance of the saints is Christ Jesus and his holy spirit living in you. That is the fruit of the spirit. That's what comes when we believe that God is who he is. The inheritance of the saints can also be seen as heaven somewhere in the future, but in this life when we talk about this life, we understand that the only way we begin to live this life, the joy to be able to joyfully endure the circumstances that we face, the ups and downs the, of life, is that we begin to realize this truth and believe this truth, that God himself has qualified us, not in our own strength, not for our good works, but because Christ died on the cross, that he has qualified us to live in the inheritance, with the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. And he continues on, he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. This image of being rescued from the dominion of darkness is one of of ancient times when a kingdom battled, and whoever was victorious would take the, the people group that they had defeated, and they would deport them back to their own kingdom. This is, this is what Paul is kind of pulling back, that when, when a defeated people would be taken from one kingdom back into the kingdom of the victor. Now, as we think about this, listen to those words with me again. It says, "For, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Guys, that is a present tense. We are in the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, is ransomed for, we've been ransomed. Uh, he has paid our price, and that is not the, that is the price of a holy God. And we have forgiveness of our sins. That means we have received grace for our sins, for our particular sins. What I realized this week, and I pray that God will, will plant in your mind This this journey has to start with the knowledge of God's will. This journey has to start with the gospel. What Paul was thinking and praising God for the Colossians, was saying that you have you have put your faith. That is the beginning. But we have to understand the fullness of what that means. I often think we skip straight from I've I've made my confession of faith to now I have to start living this out on my own. That we have to do this the rest of life. Like, yes, I'm saved, I'm saved for heaven, but the rest of my life comes to how well I will live. And so we do this and we don't do this and we come up with a new law that we live out. But Paul is coming back and forth and saying, you have to know what God's will is for your life and what is true about who you are. Guys, you must become, you must become saints. Not that you can do that. Again, this is what this whole passage says. You must be filled with the knowledge of God's will, which says that you now live in the kingdom of the I often think we skip straight from I've, I've made my confession of faith to now I have to start living this out on my own. Right. That we have to do this the rest of life. Like, yes, I'm saved, I'm saved for heaven, but the rest of my life comes to how well I will live. And so we do this and we don't do this and we come up with a new law that we live out. But Paul is coming back and forth and saying, you have to know what God's will is for your life and what is true about who you are. Guys, you must become, you must become saints. Not that you can do that. Again, this is what this whole passage says. You must be filled with the knowledge of God's will, which says that you now live in the kingdom of light, not darkness. You now live in the kingdom of the Son. He loves, not darkness. This is the truth about who you are. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a dark room before for a long period of time. But if you ever have for any reason, but then all of a sudden light been shown on you, what normally happens? You can't see, right? What I have realized over and over again is that this is what we do, and this is where we stand most often as Christians. We have lived in darkness for so long that the habits of our life before, and the way that we live, and the way that we look at ourselves We've, we've just lived in darkness. And all of a sudden, when we are saved, we open up our eyes and we see light and we know we're in a different place. We know we're in a, in a new place, the kingdom of light. But we can't see what that looks like. It's like in Mark, there's the story of the blind man that Jesus touches his lies and he's able to see some truth, but yet he can't really understand. And Jesus has to touch him again, and basically then his eyes are opened up. That's the image I came back to over and over again. I thought also of 1 Corinthians 13:12 which says now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror then we shall see face to face now I know in part then I shall know fully even as I am fully known Paul is praying Paul is praying that the people in Colossians will begin to see who they really are. This life that he even outlines, he's saying you can't live it until you know you live in a different kingdom, until you know that you are in, have a new inheritance, that you are in a different family, that your name has been changed, you now are loved by a king that is far beyond what you've ever known. But one of the things we do as Christians is we skip over that and we say, I am still a sinner. That is not what Christ says. He says you have been redeemed. Your life is now Christ. The life I live, I live in Christ. I live in the body. I live in Christ. Over and over throughout scripture, the theme is that when we begin to know Christ, we have a new life, a new creation. We have been brought from death into life. I say this to you guys because I know, and I want you guys to think about this, at every point in your life, you're gonna ask yourself, what am I supposed to do? Okay, at the, when I was preparing the sermon, looking back at my journals from the beginning of this year. I had 30, was around the corner, I was kind of reevaluating my life, saying, What is next in my life? God, who do you want me to be? What do you want me to do with my life? That day, New Year's Day, I looked back in journals from Y2K. You guys remember that? <laughs> okay. I was actually in the Everglades on a canoe, okay, uh, at the transition of. Uh, Y2K uh, on a leadership course, but I was asking myself a question. I had just turned 20. It was 10 years before. Basically, I had just turned 20, and I was asking myself these same questions. I was a sophomore in college. God, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to come from? Who are you making me to be? I had all the questions, and I think over and over, i found in my life I come back to this from whether or not it's thinking about starting a family, whether or not it's starting a new job, whether or not it's living with life after kids, whether or not it's living without a spouse, whether or not, whatever situation we come back to, we come back to these questions of who are we supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live this? And most of the time I realized in my life, I choose to live in my own power, over and over again. I choose to say, this is what I this is what I can do, this is what I will be, this is who I will become. And I push and I push and I push. And this is the same thing. This is the same thing. I think this has been every generation of every time I said, what do I need besides Christ? What do I need to do? What do I need to become? I've got to have some other knowledge. There's gotta be some other things I have to do to be worthy before God. But when I read this prayer and it says, live a life worthy of the Lord, I come back over and over again to saying, I can't do that. And I hate to steal later in this chapter, but the whole book of Colossians is saying, yes, you can't do that. (laughs) But it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is the Christ in you. The next section is going to just exalt Christ because it's gonna say, this is what it takes. The truth of Christ being in his kingdom, living under his rule and reign, living by his power, through his might. You cannot endure the circumstances of life, the good and the bad, the people that drive you crazy, the people that you love. You cannot walk through those situations without Christ's power and his strength Paul constantly goes back and says, I want to know you, Christ, in the power of your death and resurrection. It is all about Christ. It is Christ. It is his life living out through you. And I'll be honest, I have lived most of my Christian life and growing up in church, and I don't know how many of you have been the same way, and I did not understand this concept. It was Christ plus my effort it was Christ plus my good works. It was Christ plus me going to church and singing good songs and reading my Bible and praying and all those things help you know Christ but they are not Christ. If we don't begin to know who we really are, if you guys don't believe in your heart of hearts what the scripture says is true about who you are, that you have the inheritance of saints in the kingdom of light, that you have been taken from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son that he loves. If you don't have that knowledge, if it has not been revealed to you by God, guys, then the the rest of what we try to do is all our own vain effort. It is like filthy rags, as Paul will say. So I can't stress enough to you that in this space between, it is seeing Christ It is seeing our lives through the eternal truth of what scripture actually says about who we are. That it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That it is Christ that lives our life. I've been really convicted for the past couple years from John, and I'm gonna close with this, from John 17. Guys, if you wanna know I pray that the verses that I put up here, John 17, 3, John 17, 20, I encourage you to write those down somewhere and go home and study them to see what it says as Jesus is praying his last prayer for us. As he is leaving his last words, the will of the Father, the knowledge of the will of who we are, what he is wanting to say to the last words. But one of the things that has just struck me <laughs> as Jesus is is leaving this life, is John 17, three. And I'm gonna read verse one through three. um, Yeah. It says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Jesus' whole goal in life was to glorify the Father. That was his whole goal. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given to him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life, guys, is knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ who, who he sent. If that truth, if you have not realized, if there is, if any of you in this room today who is still saying yeah, I've come to church. I've I've heard something, but I don't know what it means to know Christ. I really challenge you guys that the eternal life starts now. When you begin to know Christ, this is eternal life, to know God, the one true God, and Jesus Christ who he sent. It begins when you accept who he is. But just saying I know that and Again, an intellectual knowledge is not what I'm talking about. Satan knows that Jesus is God and trembles. Intellectual knowledge is not it. It is a personal, intimate, experiential knowledge that says, I know Jesus is who he says. I know that he has come that I might have life and life to the full. To know that you are part of the kingdom of the son he loves. Guys, until you get this this idea, this is what salvation is, this is the gospel, this is the good news, this is what we come to celebrate today. That we would begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Through new eyes, through eternal eyes that say, I am not, (laughs) I'm not living in the dominion of darkness. I am not a sinner. I'm a saint. I've begun eternal life with Christ. If any of you are just saying, I don't, I've never seen it that way, please come talk to me. We long for you guys to know who you really are in Christ. That you might see that Christ is your life. The life I once lived, I lived in the body, but now I live by Christ. It is Christ. I know I'm saying that repetitively and you're like, golly, why does he keep on saying it? But guys, I need you guys to understand more than anything. You can't live in the space between. You can't do it on your own strength and your own power. It will be exactly like the rest of the world. You will see no difference, you will feel no difference until you get to that point where you say, it is all Christ. If you guys will just bow with me in prayer.